The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Baseball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host for today's episode, the sports nerd, Munaf Manji. Not your usually weekly Friday host, as Ryan McKee, a.k.a. RFB, Rich Fat Baby, is a busy man. So I'm going to try to do my best to fill in for him and make him proud. It is currently 10.05 Eastern, or sorry, 11.05 Eastern Standard Time. But here to break it all down with me, as usual, on Fridays, the man who does it both on and off the court, you can say for SGPN, he needs no introduction. It's Scott Reichel. Scott, how are you doing this Friday morning, my man? Doing pretty well. I find it pretty interesting. Maybe it's a conspiracy theory, but I feel like Ryan's always available when the Suns are winning. As soon (laughs) as they lose two straight games... He kind of goes off the reservation. You notice that? <laughs> I, you know what? I was going to notice that. I was going to say that last night in our uh, Slack channel, but I didn't want to get him too wild up. I, I think he might be chirping a little bit more tomorrow night if if the Phoenix Suns win. But I agree with you. I, I, that was the first thought that came to my mind. <laughs> well, hopefully he trips less than Chris Paul in the last three minutes, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, this is my first time ever hosting a podcast, so I'm, I'm glad I have you, Scott, along with the rest. This should be a lot of fun. Yep, looking forward to it. All right. So today's outline for the show, just to go over real quick, Scott and I will go uh, recap game four of the NBA finals. Uh, we'll preview game five, which chip, chip, tips off. Can't talk this morning, Saturday evening uh, back in Phoenix. And then we'll give you our best bet side total, any player props that we like for game five. And we'll also get into a little bit of Team USA basketball news that came down over yesterday and this morning. So why don't we just dive right into it, Scott? Um, the Bucks found a way to even up the series on Friday night. Got the 109-103 victory at home. Bucks covered the spread barely. The game went under the total by about nine, eight to nine points, depending on the number. If you did play that total, um, what were your thoughts coming out of Game Four? Uh, my thoughts mainly were thank you, Bucks minus three and a half. That was kind <laughs> of the main thought that I had, but. It didn't really look great for a while, and then Booker picked up that really dumb foul going for that rebound against P.J. Tucker with about 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And you knew as soon as that happened, the game pretty much just flipped on a dime. Now, did Tucker sell it? Yes. Do I feel bad about it? No, because Crowder was flopping for the entire fourth quarter. So I feel like it balances itself out. Booker was phenomenal. Everyone else on the Suns didn't really do anything. Meanwhile, yep. you want to look at the Bucks. You make the same argument besides Giannis and Middleton because Giannis had a pretty quiet 26-14, and 14, but he was efficient with it. Yep. And, he, of course, he had the big block on Aiton late in the fourth quarter. Middleton had a pretty quiet 40 because I remember he was in the low 30s or high 20s, and then all of a sudden you look up at the end of the game and he's 40, right. and you just realized, oh, he actually had like an all-time great game in his career and at no point that I feel like he was in the middle of having one of those. But we know those two are very good. Other than that, though, Drew Holiday stunk. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that. Defensively, he was good. But when you go four for 20 offensively, that's not exactly a good box score to have. Then again, Chris Paul stunk. So they kind of balanced each other out there. You have any real takeaways? I think my main takeaway was the fact that besides Booker, he got no help whatsoever because Aiton and Paul had a combined 16 points. That's not going to get it done. Yeah, and I think for the Phoenix Suns, it's been that, obviously with the injury to Dario Sarge, 
that their rotation has really, it's down to eight guys. And Cam Johnson now is playing close to 29 and 30 minutes. He's been pretty good for them, but we expected Devin Booker after only scoring, what, 10 points in game three to come out and do what he did in, in game four, scoring 42. But you're right that there was absolutely no help um, for Devin Booker. I mean, DeAndre Aiden, only nine shot attempts in game four, did have 17 rebounds, five assists, but his plus minus was at a minus seven. Um, we'll get to, I want to ask you about Chris Paul here in a second, but for the Bucks, I mean, it was about time, you know, when they had Chris Middleton doing the post-game interview and they, the graphic game of the had 40 points. I was like, wow, yeah, I agree with you. It was a quiet 40 points, but um, he took over down that stretch in that fourth quarter for the uh, Bucks when they needed some clutch buckets. Uh, I think Giannis, going back to last year, said that he's happy to divert to uh, Chris Middleton because he's a guy in the fourth quarter for them. He can take over from quarters one to three, but fourth quarter, it's Chris Middleton time. Drew Holiday, I Defensively, think his... he, he made Chris Paul work, which I guess is the silver lining. Exactly. But if you're not going to make many shots, please stop taking 20, 20. shots per yeah. game. <laughs> hey, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, we're all kind of waiting. And I mentioned this to Zach the other day is that we're all kind of waiting for like these three guys for all to have a great game. And it seems like over the last two game, their two victories, they haven't really needed them. Drew Holiday had a pretty good scoring night in game three compared to game four. But again, four of 20. Yeah, I agree with you. When you're, when you're jacking up 20 shots and only making four of them, give the ball to Chris Middleton or, or Giannis or, or have somebody else, you know, shoot three pointers, maybe, you know, Bobby Porters or some, some guy like that. But I think for me, uh, Bucks needed to do what they did. Um, what did you think of the non-six foul call or non-call of the six foul on uh, Devin Booker at the end it's, of the game? It's one of the worst no calls I've ever seen. Now, I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm exaggerating here, but it, it truly was. Booker was intentionally trying to foul the guy arguably twice, and he did not get called for anything. Now, luckily for the Bucks, Giannis did get the putback layup. So they did end up getting two points on that trip instead of a complete zero, which would have swung momentum entirely. But it's just a matter of the fact that we have acknowledged how bad referees are for the last couple of years, especially as replay review has ramped up because you can get in slow motion, mm. uh, just look at how bad the calls are. That is inexcusable, especially on this stage at that point in the game. Booker has 40 or 42 at the time. Not sure how many points he had at that moment, but the point is, is that Booker not getting called for the six. If the Suns would have won that game, you would have had a full-on outrage. Yep. But since Milwaukee ended up winning the game, people are going to forget about it anyway. I'm not going to forget about that because that was a really, really jarring and glaring miss. The referee's standing right there. I don't really know what better view you need. Yeah, and that was what I was going to say is that James Caper, I said this, is starting to enter Scott Farser territory for me, but... Those were the only two guys on that side of the court. I mean, what else are you looking at? He had him pretty much hugged up. He hit him on the arm also and a no call. And I think the funny part was right after that play, there was a timeout. Drew Holiday went over to complain to James Capers. And then you see Devin Booker coming over and saying that he wanted a jump ball on that play. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, another guy that I kind of wanted to ask you about is Chris Paul. And he is struggling to say the least. I mean, his turnovers over the last three games of this series, he's averaging close to five per game. And that's not like of Chris Paul. And I, and I saw this in game four and it almost seems like to me that that right hand is really bothering him. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. I don't know what you thought of, of how Chris Paul has been playing over the past couple games here. Well, it was pretty fascinating because there were some reports that came out in the Clipper series that, Chris Paul had some torn ligaments in his hand yeah. and people thought that was going to be a serious deal. And then put, then uh, Paul had a legacy game in game six against the Clippers. And you kind of forgot he was injured in the first place. And then yeah. you saw the first two games in Phoenix hit 32 and 23. So he was just very good Had 19 in game three. They lost, but he played pretty well. And then everything just completely fell off a cliff in game four, where it looked like Paul just couldn't dribble the basketball, let alone shoot. And yeah. I feel like that's a serious problem moving forward. Drew Holiday playing physical defense definitely didn't help, along with P.J. Tucker on occasion. I still can't believe Tucker's playing about 30 minutes per game. We'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> I just 
I, that's a segue I'll get into when you take one shot attempt and you're playing 30 minutes. But anyway, I think the Suns have some problems. Now, I'm not going to overreact because the series has been an ebbs and flow type of series, and the home team has won every time. So I'm not going to overreact until I see Milwaukee win one on the highway because they need to if right. they want to win the series. But Booker gave you pretty much all he could give you in game four with the exception of the foul trouble. Eaton, I thought, played well defensively and on the boards, but but points-wise, you got to do better than six points. But I look at this team, and it's kind of a pretty interesting finals where I don't want to roast both teams, but I think whoever wins might be the least talented team to win a title in a long time because neither of these teams really impressed me. Yeah, But this is what we got left, so we're going to deal with it. Am I being harsh, or do you agree with that? Well. If if we kind of rewind to what we've seen in the playoffs, right? We have, we've had a significant injury to probably the best player or the second best player on every single team for uh, at least in the Western Conference, right? I mean, in the first round with the Phoenix, it was LeBron was still hobbled, AD was gone for I believe game uh, five and six, and then you didn't have Jamal Murray in Denver, their second best player, and then Kawhi Leonard, the best player for the Clippers, wasn't there for for the for the Clippers. I mean, that's where the, the cards were dealt for Phoenix, but I guess we can make that argument that the, not the most talented teams from each conference are in the NBA Finals. Same thing in the Eastern Conference. If you had the big three for Brooklyn, um, you would be sitting on a high horse right now because your team is there, but they didn't have you know, James Harden. He was up pretty much on one leg, and then Kyrie Irving went down with that ankle injury. So I think, and then Trey Young in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think both teams have been fortunate in that regard. And, and, you know, we don't have the best competition, I guess, in the NBA Finals. But I guess somebody has to win this season, and, and it's down to do these two teams. But I think overall, for me, I think the Bucs may be the more talented team, you know, when you have Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday. Um, but Drew Holiday, again, he's been exerting his energy on the defensive end. That's why his offense has been so bad. But when you have Giannis, who's pretty much getting whatever he wants inside the paint, nobody's really there to stop him. And then Chris Middleton, if if he can just get them 25 to 26 points, which may be asking a lot from him, but I, I think if they're able to do that, Bucks, you know, have a good chance to win the series. So um, anything else that, that kind of stuck out to you in, you know, games maybe three and four? Well, I'm going to have to segue back to a point I was going to make, which was P.J. Tucker, because I know that he is viewed as being a pretty good defensive player. And I know that he made Durant work, quote unquote, even though Durant had basically 50 in two separate games of that series. That's a separate story. I don't really know what he accomplishes in the series. And yet Milwaukee's playing him 30 something minutes pretty much every single game. You just Mm -hmm. watch what Tucker does offensively. He does basically nothing. I know he can occasionally shoot from the corner and it gives you some offensive rebounding upside, I suppose, but Phoenix can just pretty much double team or trap any screen. And if PJ Tucker touches the ball, they can, I know, get some popcorn ready and watch him try to shoot from the corner because he's not exactly going to scare anybody. Yeah. And you're looking at the likes of who Milwaukee has besides Tucker as their potential replacement. I think that's the issue. That's the most glaring for both teams. Now, I'm not a big Sarge guy, but of course he was still important to that team. Sure. Both teams bench-wise are absolutely atrocious. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we just admit that? I know that yep. campaign has some, I'd say, Energizer Bunny moments, like a microwave almost, but they really don't have many guys. And Milwaukee relying on Porter, on, uh, not Porter, sorry, Portis has worked occasionally, but not entirely. Connaughton was great last game as he yep. had nine rebounds, hit a couple of threes there. I think Connaughton should be playing more minutes than Tucker, and I don't really know why they're relying so heavily on Tucker besides representing some physicality. But in addition to the zero points and the one-shot attempt, Tucker had some brutal shooting fouls in that game where he was just fouling everybody on a jump shot. Yeah. The funny part is is that they're clear fouls, but P.J. Tucker just thinks that I didn't touch him, but clearly on the replay, we see that, you know, he hits a guy on the, on the release or, or when he's trying to go up for a shot. And I, ag- I agreed with him on one, he fouled Booker on a three pointer yeah. and it was a foul, but that was a hundred percent before he was in the shooting motion, right? That should have been on the floor. So I agree with him on that point. The other ones Crowder might've flopped, but you shouldn't have been charging at him in the first place. 
I don't really know what you expect in today's NBA. If you charge a three-point shooter, he's probably going to take a dive. Yeah. The way the sport goes. And, and the shooting for P.J. Tucker has really fell off since he got to Milwaukee. I mean, when he was with Houston, and I can, and I can uh, attest to this, is that he was one of the best corner three-point shooters in the entire league, and I don't know what's happened to his shot. And it almost looks really awkward coming out of his hands. And, I mean, if they had consistently got maybe two makes out of him per game, uh, like he was with Houston, I think we'd be talking about a different series. But, you know, I agree with you. I think that content should be getting more minutes. He did play 32 last game. Um, it And like you said, when you have Jeff, Jeff Teague as your eighth guy off the bench, I think that's pretty telling of how bad your bench is. Um, it's interesting to me that, you know, Breen Forbes hasn't gotten minutes either. I mean, maybe if you got him 10 minutes, he's a pretty good shooter himself, but he hasn't played. He didn't play last game in game four. And I think game five, let me see if I can pull it up. Well, the uh, issue with Forbes is obviously defense because yeah, he can't guard anybody. So exactly. that's the main issue. But having said that, with Chris Paul being injured now, I do think Forbes could potentially get more run, especially if you think Tucker cannot hit that corner shot, which we have skepticisms about. Right. I just can't look past the fact that Tucker's being viewed as a veteran leader, which he deserves, and he's being viewed as a solid defensive player who can do occasional 3 and D. Is he really doing anything in this series? Because <laughs> I really haven't noticed anything for the last couple of games that I can't find from another random bench player in the league. Am I, am I being too harsh? Because I don't really know what he's done besides occasionally get some offensive rebounds. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really tough. Like you said, these, these benches are really thinning up, right? And, and Milwaukee, I guess, doesn't have much of a bench. But it, same thing with Phoenix, right? With, with Sarge going down, I mean, I didn't, I'm not a huge Sarge guy, but when, when you're, that's your pretty much your front court depth and that's really thinning up, I think both of these uh, benches, like you alluded to, are not really good. So you really, really have to rely on your superstar players. You know, Giannis, I think clearly for me, has been the best player in the series. Devin Booker. Um, he had some he awful had four- games before the last game. but Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see. Now it, it turns into a three-game series. And, you know, Phoenix had two games at home. I believe, I personally think that this is going to get to seven games. Um, but you know, here we are, it's tied up two to two and, uh, we're on the Phoenix in game five tomorrow night. Anything else before you want to get to, uh, we get to game five. Uh, yes. Just one other thing I want to talk about involves Chris Paul. Now I know he had an alleged legacy game against Mm -hmm. the Clippers. How many legacy games can you have in a playoffs, just in a playoff run? Because he had the entire Denver series. He had the game six against the Clippers. And then he had this fiasco, which was game four. And now people are trying to convince themselves again that Chris Paul is going to choke in big games. So my question for you is, how many legacy games can you have before it just becomes a broken record? Because every game at this point for Chris Paul is arguably a legacy game. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, and I think the legacy game was probably that that game the game six in the western conference finals because i hate that was, phrase so much <laughs> i hate it so much it it's was, one thing if you say it once every now and then yeah but if you're talking about a legacy game once or twice a series can we just pump the brakes a little bit we get the chris paul's 36 we know sure we know yeah. but anyway back to your point yeah no i was just gonna say is that that legacy quote-unquote game or a series was against the clippers mind you it didn't have Kawhi Leonard, but it was going to be that if they were going to get there, Chris Paul had to be a key contributing guy. He dropped 41 points in that game, got the got the got over the hump of number one getting to the Western Conference Finals and now into the NBA Finals. But now we're yeah, like you said, we keep on hearing about you know this is for his legacy and and to cement himself as a top three point guard in NBA history. But yeah, when we keep on saying that, it's it's every single game. It gets a little repetitive, and we get tired of hearing it. I, we did say this when we were approving the NBA Finals: is that that we're not sure how many more opportunities Chris Paul was going to have to get back to the NBA Finals. Right? This might be his maybe his only opportunity to win a title and get to the NBA Finals because he is thirty six years old. Unless somehow he ends up with the Lakers or, or another another title contending team but the opportunity now right there is in front of him but yeah that all you see is on some of these social media you know sports outlets is that hey 
this is Chris Paul's legacy. This is Chris Paul. He needs to step up if he wants to cement himself as a top point guard in NBA history. And it gets a little re- repetitive here. I, I think the, the the folks are not like you and I are not focusing on the X's and O's of the game. So, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. It it, it does get a little annoying and repetitive of hearing about Chris Paul legacy this and and then cementing especially with the as injuries. That. Exactly, I mean, you can make the argument like, oh, he was not performing well, but yeah, if you only have one hand to dribble with, that's not exactly a good recipe for success. Yeah, I guess before we go to Game Five, just one more thing about Chris Paul. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I already sure. have him in my top five point guards of all time list. Is he there for you, or you believe he's like six or seven? And if he ends up winning a title then he would be in the top five. I think he's already there. I mean, for me, I think he's a, a top three after maybe Magic, Stockton. I would throw Isaiah in there and then probably... You're Cur- talking about top three. Curry's probably got to be in the top three, right? Yeah. And then I would say top five. Name, I got I think, top five. Yeah, I think those are the five guys that we just named right there. But um, just the pure IQ, and the, the high-level IQ that Chris Paul has on the court... And the clutch gene that he does have, uh, I think, yeah, he's a top five point guard. I mean, having that title on his resume would be a great thing. But regardless, I, I still think that I think 29 other teams in this NBA league or 28 other teams would still take Chris Paul on their roster. Regardless, it's the win percentage disparity for exactly. me when it comes to Chris Paul. Every team he goes to becomes significantly better. So you can argue that he's not clutch because of some games that you want to refer to for the last couple of years. But a lot of the teams he was playing with wouldn't have made the playoffs if he wasn't there in the first place. Yep, 100% agree. Let's take a quick break, and then Scott and I will get into Game 5 of the NBA Finals. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on NBA championship tickets when you buy directly from other bettors on PropSwap. See a ticket you like, but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of a button. And PropSwap gives you a suggested price tool to let you know how much your ticket is worth. Last week, a PropSwap customer sold a $500 40-1 Phoenix Suns championship ticket for $16,000 after the Suns went up 2-0 in the finals. A 30 times return for the seller and adjusted odds of minus 400 for the buyer when every sports book in the country had Suns at minus 500. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money, it just needs to improve. Think of it like the stock market, but for sports betting. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. And make sure to head over to UnderdogFantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right, sign up now for a free shot at $1 million. So download the app and sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all of our picks and podcasts. Don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. Okay, coming off the break, series tied up 2-2. Two to two. We're back in Phoenix. I believe Phoenix is a 3.5 point favorite at home. Uh, total, I believe last I saw was 218 and a half. Let me just double check that here real quick. Should I have been more prepared? But yeah, here we go. Oh, now it's up to four. So Phoenix minus four. Total is down to 218. Scott, where are you going with this game, man? How do you think it plays out? I'm looking at the over. I, I okay. know that the last game went under, but you got to remember there was a 43 point first quarter. 
And yet the game still was kind of, I don't want to say close to going over. He maybe had an overtime draw. But the point is, from the second quarter onward, everything seemed to play itself out with proper pace. Yep. But the first quarter, both teams couldn't hit anything if they fell out of a boat. So I assume that it'll go back to relative normalcy where you won't see a 40-something point quarter to completely skew the pace off. I like the over. I think we can agree that with Phoenix's awful transition defense, Milwaukee has gotten faster for the last couple of games. Yep. And I don't know if Phoenix is going to start giving Cameron Payne more minutes to try to limit the Chris Paul uh, hand issues and maybe re-aggravating it. But we can agree that the Suns, when Chris Paul's not in the game, assuming he might get some minute restrictions or something like that, they play faster with Payne in. Yeah. I think that could lead to even uh, more up-tempo style of play. Sure. I like the over. I think that this number's too low. You? Yeah, and I, I think that Phoenix has been one of the best home court advantages all, all playoffs long. I've said this all, all playoffs long, is that they've just been dominating at home. They've been putting up close to 100 and, what, 1,520 points per game at home. Um, and we've seen it, like you said, in, in game, going back to game four, is that that first quarter was offensively was abysmal, but then it picked up where it has been for the rest of the series with both teams trying to get up and down and good shot making. I think it's the second quarter of that game, they dropped 60 plus points. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second half, you know, there was foul trouble for Booker and whatnot, but I think that was just one game as an outlier. I think that, yeah, you're right that this boat will get back to. A game where we'll see a lot of points. And I was really surprised to see this number has adjusted so much just because of one game where it ended up at 212. I think this was hovering around anywhere from 220 and a half, 221 up to 221 and a half. So um, I agree with you on the over there. Uh, Any opinion or bet on the side here? I'm kind of torn because before the series started, I had the Suns winning in seven. And on top of that, I said the home team would win every game. Mm -hmm. So I'm more than halfway through. Having okay. said that, I don't exactly like my stance because if Chris Paul is well below 100%, which he is, I don't think Phoenix is going to win the series. Now, I'm not sure which road game Milwaukee is going to win, whether it's going to be game five or a hypothetical game seven, but I think you would agree with the lack of firepower that Phoenix has as a whole. If Chris yeah. Paul is 60% what he normally is, if that, they have some serious problems on the horizon. I think that DeAndre Aiden needs to be more of a, a contributor on the offensive end. I mean, him only having, what, six points last game? That's not going to get it done. So they need to find a way to get him more involved, whether it's, you know, Cameron Payne or Chris Ball driving down the lane and throwing up some alley hoops or dumping it off to him or, or him posting up and knocking down some shots. They have to find a way to get some more contribution out of him on the offensive end. So with the injury that's not confirmed with Chris Paul, we can tell that he's clearly hurt. So they're going to need DeAndre Aiden to step up. Uh, We know Devin Booker is going to be Devin Booker. Outside of that, who has to be that kind of other guy that's going to get them that 10 to 15 point range? Is it going to be Jay Crowder? Is it going to be Cam Johnson? Someone, one of those two guys is going to have to step up. And like you mentioned, campaign, I mean, this guy's an energizer bunny coming off the bench for him. So for the Phoenix Suns and if he's able to push the pace, get some easy baskets, he has probably one of the most awkwardest shots I've ever seen in the NBA. Uh, would you agree with that? It's mostly the leg placement and how they're just completely not symmetrical at all. And yeah. yet for some reason, it works. <laughs> yeah, and he finds a way to get to the basket, too. I mean, he's a smaller-sized guy, but he still has the ability to get the, to the basket and finish. So I think... For me, DeAndre Aiden has to play better in this game, uh, game five back at home, and then getting something out of either Cam Johnson or Cam Payne. So one of the Cams has to step up for the Phoenix Suns. I will reluctantly take the Phoenix Suns being back at home. Um, I've said this all along. I just can't bet against this team when they're at home. They've been playing really, really well all throughout the playoffs. So they'll get behind that crowd again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what adjustments Monty Williams and, and Chris Paul and those guys make going into game five. Uh, any player props or half-quarter bets you like? Uh, yes, there are a couple of player props that I actually sure. like. First of all, it's going to be on the guy that I've been kind of skeptical on moving forward. It's on Chris Paul. Okay. If you want to look at his over-under in points, you'd assume it would probably be in the high teens because he had 19 in game three, he had 10 in game four, and now the injury looks pretty serious. 21 and a half. Wow. 
That sounds way too high to me. Yeah. I like the under. Uh, that was one I had written down also. So I guess we have lockstep agreement. Chris Paul under 21 and a half points. Uh, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how he, I guess, responds and how that hand is going to hold up. I mean, clearly bothering him with all the turnovers he's had, he, it, it, it seems like that um, they're going to need maybe somebody else to handle the ball or whether it's Devin Booker or campaign. But yeah, I like that under 21 and a half. Uh, any other ones that you do like? Uh, well, looking at the rest, I kind of have to go back to Booker if I'm okay. looking at the Suns remaining competitive yeah. in this game. I, if I had to uh, pick something on the side, I'd hold my nose and take the points with Milwaukee, but I'm probably going to pass entirely on the side. But either way, if you think Phoenix is going to take is going to keep this game close, mm-hmm. Booker is going to have to go for 30 plus. It's just yeah. the way it is. This team doesn't have enough weapons, and even though. Booker ended up only having two points in the fourth quarter. It wasn't because of Milwaukee's defense. It was because he had to sit out for about seven minutes. So Booker, whichever defender was on him, didn't matter. Got whatever he wanted. And I do think Booker should get to the line a lot. We know how crafty he can be when it comes to getting to the line. I think Booker goes for 30 plus. 28 and a half sounds too low to me. I like that. Yeah, especially with, again, we keep on talking about Chris Paul. With injury, he's going to really have to step up, and he, he plays really well at home. I'm going to throw one at you, and it's a guy that you've been really down on in the series. Um, what do you think of P.J. Tucker under four and a half points? I know in games, in the first three games, except for last, he, he had seven points, but he didn't score in game four, and I don't think you're expecting much scoring at him. I mean, mind you, he can knock down a three-point shot and maybe get one around the basket, which is pretty much what he does, but I... I kind of like that under four and a half. Well, it's plus money at some books, so I, I won't blame you for doing it. I think the one issue I have with taking an under with a guy like P.J. Tucker is the fact that Milwaukee's still dumb to play him 30 minutes a game. Yeah. So it's just mostly involving the volume. At some point, I'm sure Phoenix is going to realize, you know, if we double-team Giannis on a roll to the basket, mm-hmm. we can live with Tucker getting some open jumpers. So I am sure. curious if maybe that's an adjustment they make. Kind of tells you once again why I was so skeptical of Milwaukee using Tucker for that many minutes. You have a guy playing about 30 minutes. His mm-hmm. player prop total is four and a half. Are you serious? He's playing 30 <laughs> minutes in a finals game? Are you serious? You got nobody else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess he's just more out there for making those quote-unquote hustle plays and, and you know, I guess diving for the loose balls and whatnot. I was going to uh, say moral support, but that works too. There you too. go. Um, one I do like, and it's at plus money, Cameron Payne over seven and a half points. I, I think like we just mentioned that with if Chris Paul, if they're going to maybe limit his minutes or if he's not as effective, having Cameron Payne come off that bench, he's a guy that can go to the basket. Like we've said, he can knock down a three-point shot for you, maybe even get to the basket, or sorry, get to the free throw line. I'm seeing at, at even money over seven and a half points. So I think that's one I do love for Cameron Payne to go over seven and a half points. I agree. I think we know that Payne, regardless of whether he plays nine minutes or 15 or even more, he's not afraid to take shots. And we know that every game he seems to take one really, really dumb heat check three in transition for no <laughs> apparent reason. So whether or not that goes in is a separate story, but the point is we know that if there's anything that he does not lack, yeah. it's confidence. So he's going to keep shooting. And I don't know if you agree with me about the Chris Paul potential minute restriction. I think it makes sense. If you think that he's seriously compromised, you got to try to find offense somewhere. I think I saw this in game four is that they did have for a stretch, both campaign and Chris Paul on the floor together. They need ball handlers and Chris Paul for the hand reason couldn't really handle the ball too well. So I think Payne will probably get somewhere in the double digit minutes and we know that Payne is pretty crafty around the basket and he can shoot despite how ugly the jump shot might look. Right. I think that totals too low. I like the over as well. That's one I like. And then the, did you have any more? Uh, I don't know if you have any more quickly. I'm just going to quickly look to see if I find one more. That's pretty much all of them, but I'll let you go first. Yeah. The only other one I did see was, um, I don't know why they're not pricing this higher, but Giannis rebounds is still hovering there at 13 and a half. And I know this was one of your best bets. Uh, I think it was, you said in game three, um, when you're on with Ryan last week, but he's been, he's at four, he got 14 in game four, 13, 12, 17. So he's getting the boards. And I mean, for them, the book to still price this at 13 and a half. I kind of like that over on Giannis's rebounds. Any thoughts on that one? 
I think that one is pretty close to where it should be. I think you can make an argument that Giannis uh, has, of course, gone over for the last couple of games, but that number seemed to be pretty close. I'm actually looking at the other big man in the series. I'm looking at Aiton. Give him a 12 and a half offensively. He might have stunk in the last game. Still at 17 boards, and if there's one thing that Aiton is very underrated at, it's staying out of foul trouble. For a guy who is the really the only true center left because Kaminsky, we can agree, should probably never be on the court for the rest of the series, mm-hmm. Aiden does a really good job of just avoiding foul trouble. And we know that if he's going to be in the in the middle, Lopez is not going to be crashing the boards. He's standing at the three-point line half the time. Right. And we do think that Aiden's going to be in the paint for some prime rebounding opportunities. I think you should probably get the 15 in the spot if you think that he's going to play 40-plus minutes in a, pretty much a must-win game. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, now is a time where your superstars are going to have to play, start playing some extensive minutes because it's a best of three series now, right? And with Aiden and with, like, we keep on talking about with CP3 injury, Aiden's going to have to really step up. So, you know, the rebounding prop, like you mentioned, he's a great rebounder, and and I guess it's not getting priced properly. Um, the last one I did have was, and I want to get your thoughts on this one, is Pat Connington over four and a half rebounds. And I had this on my player props article I took the under on him, but he had grabbed seven rebounds in that game. He, if he's playing 30-plus minutes like we're expecting, he's getting the rebounds. Like you said, with Brooke Lopez hovering around the three-point line and Giannis down there getting the rebounds, there's been a lot of opportunities for, for Covington to get these rebounds. And at four and a half, I think it's a little conservative for him, especially he's a pretty good rebounder, knowing the fact that they don't have many other rebounds because their big man does hover around the three-point line, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that one. Connaughton better get more minutes. I mean, when you play 32 minutes off the bench and on a team with Giannis and Middleton, you have the highest plus-minus at plus 21, yeah. you better play more minutes. That's all right. I'm saying. That's all I had for player props. Did you have anything else? Uh, not particularly. I think we kind of covered all of them. Uh, yeah, not really much else to add. I think that you can make an argument that the rotations are pretty unpredictable yep. and Boone Hoser would be the kind of guy who would just stick to the game plan and not really adjust the minutes too much. I once again would barely play PJ Tucker and I'd give a decent amount of minutes to Connaughton, yep. but we'll see how exactly that works out. Mostly going to be involving Booker playing well, Aiden doing well on the boards and Chris Paul having a pretty underwhelming game. Sounds good. So let's wrap up this NBA Finals talk with our best bets. Um, Scott, I'll let you lead it off. Uh, side total, player prob, what's your best bet? Or if you have a couple for game five uh, tomorrow night. Well, first one, I got to mention the first player prop I gave out. It's Chris Paul under. At the end okay. of the day, 21 and a half points for a guy who only had 19 in game three, 10 in game four, and his hand seems to be getting worse. I don't really know what the odds makers are thinking there. I know he's been really good at home mm-hmm. in the postseason and the series, but with the hand being worse, it's like he's a different player. I, I have yeah. to take the under in that spot. Okay, and my best bet, um, I'll go with the game over. I mean, we we I think we both like this bet. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll both see points again. You know, I think this is a maybe a over adjustment by the books by a couple points here. Um, but I've mentioned this time and time again, is that if you do like the over, maybe you'll get a better number on live. Uh, we were able to uh, cash one in our NBA Slack channel around. I think some of the guys snapped it up at two Oh eight and a half to a nine and a half and ended up at two twelve. So if they get off to a slow start again, you may be able to find a better number, but I do think this game will go over the two eighteen. and my, uh, favorite player prop is I'm going to go with that Pat Connington rebounding prop over four and a half. Like we, Scott and I both mentioned, this guy should be getting more minutes, which will create more opportunities for rebounding for him. Um, he's been playing, I think, in the past couple of games where he's played thir- more than 30 minutes. He's been at around nine rebounds, seven rebounds, and eight rebounds when he's played 30 or more minutes. So uh, that will be my favorite player prop for game five. Sounds good. Okay, so I know we wanted to get into Team USA basketball. A couple of news and notes came down uh, as far as what's going on with players going to Tokyo. I think the first bit of news is that both Bradley Beal and Jeremy Grant were placed in the health and safety protocol uh, out there in Vegas. And then the news that came out this morning, Kevin Love not going to be on this team. 
Scott and I both said that he should not be on this team, but uh, Scott, want to kind of want to get your thoughts on at least Bradley Beal and uh, Kevin Love not going to Tokyo with Team USA, and then if you have any players that you think that should that deserving so should be on this roster to replace those two guys. Yeah, deserving is tough because I'm not exactly sure who's still rehabbing an injury that they right. didn't really talk about during the regular season. Sure. I have heard some names circulating involving Duncan Robinson and Christian Wood. Duncan Robinson, no way. No <laughs> offense to Duncan Robinson, but give me a break. I mean, really, you're going to tell me he's a top 15, top 12 American player in the league? Like, come on. Uh, yeah. Christian Wood, I'm actually okay with. I think Wood's a very good player, and I think yeah. he had a great year. And he would have won most improved had he not gotten injured and had Julius Randle not gone nuts in the pretty much entire regular season. But Wood wouldn't bother me. I'm fine with that because you're going to need more size, especially since they got killed on the boards by Nigerian company. So I yeah. think Wood would do a good job helping out with that. As for Beal, everything's just unfortunate, you know, because Beal's a very talented player. He was robbed of an all-star appearance about two years ago or so. He was mm-hmm. great this year. And COVID got in the way. I don't know if Jeremy Grant's going to be able to play or not, so we'll keep an eye on that one. But either way, I'm looking at Christian Wood to fill the void for love. And as for Beal, I have no idea. But Duncan Robinson makes absolutely no sense. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for a guy that is... I like like Robinson as a player, but you're you're really going to put a three-point specialist coming off screens on the national team over some other guys you could choose from? Yeah, and I, I put a tweet out in our NBA Slack channel that Trey Young tweeted out the the little Isaiah Thomas uh, the the clip from the Michael Jordan docu- the Last Dance documentary where he said, you know, I met the criteria. And I wasn't selected. I, I wasn't yeah. selected. Trey Young tweeted that out, so I think Trey Young is a pretty good option. Um, gives them it's another healthy. ball handler, uh, but I think that they do need a big like Christian Wood. I think this would be a huge experience for Christian Wood. Um, playing with Team USA, and then maybe he could translate that to the Houston Rockets for next season. I just um, think he's a very good player. Yeah, he's very good. He is very good, and I think the potential is is there for him big time. Uh, so I like that fit with Christian Wood, and they, like you said, they need a big uh, on this team as far as for rebounding because they've been getting killed on the boards. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what other names kind of come about, and and you know who's going to be on this roster. It, it's the only thing that kind of does concern me is that most of these other teams that are competing for these Olympics, those guys kind of have those, that chemistry within themselves because they played together for so long with team USA. You have so many moving parts now with, with injuries and dealing with the health and safety protocols that they really don't have that chemistry. And I mentioned this with, uh, with Dan the other night is that you're kind of missing some of your best players also that are like you mentioned dealing with rehab or just don't want to play because they want rest with James Harden and, uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, some of your, your best players, Kawhi Leonard, another guy that's, you know, we had the news that he had surgery on a partially ACL tear. So, I mean, you're missing some of the best players, and it'll be interesting just for me who is going to be replacing uh, Bradley Beal and uh, Kevin Love. Yeah, Love, once again, we talked about it before, but just to reiterate, I don't think that's a big deal at all because he shouldn't have been Should on not, the yeah. team anyway. <laughs> it was no a head scratcher for me when they. I, when, did, I didn't really get it. Yeah, I would say that he provides leadership, but for the Cavs team, when he was throwing temper tantrums half the time, I don't really know if he really meets that criteria of being a full leader. Sure. But now he's still injured. He was barely playing in the first place. That doesn't really matter. But are you panicking a little bit for Team USA based on the COVID issues and the fact that this team has not really played too well? I know they beat Argentina. I don't think Argentina is very talented. Luis Scola was still getting minutes. I thought he retired from basketball about five years ago. Uh, do you think Team USA is still going to win the gold, or do you think that this team has some issues on the horizon? But when, when I saw some of the odds that were posted, I, I think, and don't quote was, me on this, but they were what, up to minus like 1,200 to win it? I think to, to win the gold, I believe I saw them open up at minus 300. I think they went okay. to around five. I think that was pretty much where it topped out. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned because the world, oh, the other teams are getting better. And the lack of number one, Greg Popovich, I don't think should be coaching this team. And then number two, with all the moving parts, like we just mentioned, it's a concern because you, these are guys that are on different teams in the NBA. They don't have that chemistry or that time of playing together. I think the Brooklyn Nets were a great example 
when you had three guys on the same team and they didn't have that chemistry and they didn't get that many games together. But now you're bringing in a, a whole bunch of players that are on different team and don't have that experience of playing together. I mean, you can beat a team like Argentina that not might not have the greatest talent in the world when you have guys like Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard and and you know Jason Tatum on this team. You should be able to beat some of these teams. But now with Bradley Beal leaving, I am actually concerned. I don't know about you, but I am. I think that they'll find a way to still end up doing pretty well. The question is, can they cover enough huge spreads? I'm not going to lay points with Team USA, but no. I do think they'll end up winning some games. I kind of want to circle back to one thing quickly. Sure. You said Popovich shouldn't be coaching this team. I am kind of curious what your gripe is with Popovich. I, I'm i not saying I disagree with you. I just wanted to, <laughs> I just want you to put in your own words. I feel like you have something to say, but I just feel like it's – there's, be- I don't want to say there's better coaching options because Popovich is. I, just, I don't think he connects to any of these young players. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Is that you have an older coach, you need somebody that's younger in there. And 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 Popovich, OG man, I think he he had his prime time where he was one of the best coaches in the NBA. I still think he is, but you need to get somebody that, like you said, can connect with players. And as is a younger coach, I mean, you have Steve Kerr on this bench. I think Jay Wright is also there on as assistant coaches, but as a head coach, I think you need somebody else to, to kind of guide team USA. I'm not sure that Greg Popovich is that answer because he seems like he's very cranky and he has a short fuse with some of these reporters. I was going to say that whole reporter fiasco. I don't know which side you were on. I a hundred percent agreed with the reporter. I thought it was a fair question. Sure. And I thought Popovich personally, well, took it personal, and I think that a lot of people were claiming what a dumb question, whatever. You can't assume anything. Yes, you can. You're favored by 30 and a half points. I'm going to assume you should beat Nigeria since you beat them by about 90 four years ago. Right. So I thought it was a fair question. And yeah. Pavlich is going, well, the other team's caught up. They're doing better. Yes, your Team USA. Like, there are levels to this. Just because other teams are getting better and the other team's best player is a bench player in the NBA, you have basically the all-star team. You should win every game. Stop making excuses. Take responsibility. Your team was not prepared to play the first couple of exhibition games. I agree 100%. I mean, you have the best players in the world, in the U.S., and for you to be a, what, 30-plus point favorite and lose outright, um, that kind of speaks volumes to me. So I guess to kind of wrap that up, I think, you know... I, I, I guess the question is, who do you think should be a replacement as a head coach? Is it anybody but Popovich, or do you think there's a guy that can kind of connect with these players? Well, you'd be praying for, for Coach K, except he's retiring from Duke, so he's clearly just done. So I was actually yeah. surprised Coach K didn't do it. I thought Coach K would give it one more year and then just go off into the sunset. That's kind yeah. of what I thought was going to happen. I still think Popovich is a very good coach. San Antonio has not been fully relevant ever since Kawhi left to now I'm not going to blame that fully on Popovich because the team talent wise, isn't very good. At least they have some good young talent, but you know what I mean? They don't have a superstar because DeRozan is pretty good, but I don't think he was ever the guy that Toronto wanted him to be and Kawhi proved that the one year that he went there. But the point is, is, is that I think you make an argument maybe for a Spolstra. If you want to throw somebody out there, I'm a big Spolstra guy. If you wanted to talk about, Some other options, you mentioned Steve Kerr, which I think is fair. I think those are kind of two guys that I immediately think of. Do you have anybody Mm -hmm. else that you could think of? No, I think those are the two guys. I think, you know, as Spolstra, I agree with you that he's a great coach, kind of underrated. Nick Uh, Nurse, too. I also throw out Nick Nurse's name. Yeah, Nick Nurse, but isn't he coaching the Canadian team? I believe he could be, but I'm just saying the U.S., uh, I don't know if they're paying coaches to show up for them, but I would definitely try to get them <laughs> to coach the U.S. <laughs> team because I'm a huge Nick Nurse guy. I yeah. think he's a tremendous coach. I, I think Steve Kerr is a great option also, uh, Spolstra. Um, I don't think anybody else kind of comes to mind, but, you know. Did Canada make the Olympics? Did Didn't they lose? Who? Didn't Canada lose? Yeah, they did. So Nurse is available. He should be, yeah. <laughs> we might have to make a phone call for that, but um, something like that. Yeah, I, I think we you know there's other good options in the NBS out of Popovich, um, but it'll be interesting. You know, I think we're about a week or so away from, or I think a couple of weeks away from 
the game's kicking off and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited for it. Anything else you want to get to Scott in the NBA or if you see anything, I know there's some Damian Lillard news that he's going to request a trade that Zach dropped in the Slack channel. Um, I don't know if that's going to come to fruition. I was mostly just looking at some rumors, thinking about how much of these actually have a chance of coming true. Yeah. Portland's not trading Damian Lillard. I mean, they just got a new head coach. Yeah. They're not going to trade lower during the offseason. And hearing all these Knicks proposals, which are all terrible, by the way, I'm sure Portland would love to trade Damian Lillard for a draft package with Obi Toppin in it. I'm sure they really wanted to do that. No. <laughs> I heard the Colin Sexton stuff. I think that's actually doable. I think that maybe will be where he goes. I think Sexton could go to New York. Yeah. But this Lillard stuff, I get it. James Harden forces way out of Houston. That yeah. was also midseason. Lillard's not going anywhere. We, we can stop talking about it every day. You mean, you, Kev, you mean the Portland Trailers don't want Kevin Knox and Obi Toppin to replace uh, Damian Lillard? Oh, why would I not want R.J. Barrett a second-round pick and <laughs> Kevin Knox with Obi Toppin? I mean, come on. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I've just lost it, but I'll tell you what's better than that offer. How about Kyle Kuzma in a second-round pick with Taylor Horton Tucker? These that- trades are awful. Can we just admit <laughs> that just because of the Lakers and the Knicks and the media wants them to be good – doesn't mean they have clearly any assets to acquire Damian Lillard. Can we just admit that publicly? Yeah, especially the Lakers. I mean, they're talking about how they want to get a third superstar in there, but how are you How are you planning to get that? If it's via trade, who are you trying to trade? I mean, Kyle Kuzma, Jesus Christ. I mean, the guy is terrible. Um, if Kuzma was on Detroit, nobody would ever talk about him. Exactly. And, and this guy, I think, is... Everybody's waiting for him to be like the next coming of like something, but it, it's not going to happen. I don't think he's that good. So um, again, it'll be an interesting offseason with all these trade requests and rumors and all that stuff coming down. But um, other than that, I think that'll bring us to the end of the road, Scott. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, what you're working on, anything that you wanted to plug. Yep. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio, all one word. Other than that, uh, doing some fantasy football stuff for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I have a couple articles. One was just published. I have another one that will be publishing in the next couple of days on some underrated players on each individual team. So if you're a fan of individual teams and you think I'm wrong, you can roast me for it. But either way, (laughs) still doing some uh, editing for podcasts, NBA Gambling Podcast, MLB Gambling Podcast, which Munafin is all about because you're on both those shows every single time. And also the Golf Gambling Podcast. So I'm busy doing that. Mostly just, uh, yeah, one day at a time, kicking ass, taking names. That's crazy. Like, we're, we're thinking about that. We'll probably get, like, some time off. I mean, this week was a little slower because of the MLB All-Star break. But I think in a couple of weeks, we have a first, what, preseason game coming up for the NFL. And it's just like we don't have any time off. But like I said at the beginning of the show, Scott is a man that does it both on and off the court for SGPN. So, Scott... Thank you for everything that you do for all the editing and things you do for SGPN and along with the shows that I'm on. So I truly appreciate you, man. Uh, just to wrap it up, yeah, you can find me at SportsNerd824 on Twitter. Uh, like Scott mentioned, NBA Gambling Podcast, MLB Gambling Podcast, along with all the other podcasts that we have on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Make sure to leave us a rating, review, and subscribe to the NBA Gambling Podcast, along with all the other podcasts we have in the network. Make sure to also download the SGPN app. Uh, Makes it very, very easy when you have the app when there's new episodes or articles dropping. So uh, make sure to download that. With that being said, good luck this weekend, everybody, with your bets, and let it ride. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna go get it.